You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inflow with Soul. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and today's topic is on the hero's journey. Now, not too long ago, we did a had a conversation about consciousness and um, looking at the continuum of consciousness from the external locus of control on one end and the internal locus of control on the other end. And so I want to come back and just review those um, ideas. What are what's happening on those two ends of the spectrum? Then that we can set up for what what is this messy middle that we've talked about? Because the hero's journey is really all about about how to navigate that messy middle. And so if you uh, think that you're in that messy middle now, or perhaps you're kind of on, on the cusp of, of wanting to move towards the internal locus of control, you just don't know what to expect in that messy middle, this episode is for you. I want to give you an idea of this terrain that you are, you either are facing or you may be facing so that you can have the resources, the tools, and the support, and whatever you need to move through that messy middle as successfully as possible. So let's begin by just kind of recapping what we talked about about consciousness. So again, on one end of the spectrum, we have the external locus of control. And I think I'm just going to drop that language and just say that this is the end of the spectrum where we believe that life is happening to us. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the internal locus of control, which we are now going to define as we believe that life is happening for us. So we have these very two different ways of looking at our experiences. And the way that we, whichever end of the spectrum we're on is going to direct, maybe even dictate the kinds of experiences that we have. And the messy middle is that space where we learn to let go of some of the things that we're living with in um, when I believe that the world uh, life is happening to me. There are some things that we need to adjust. We need to unlearn in order to really be in this uh, on this end of the spectrum where we believe that life is happening for me. So let's just talk a little bit about the core beliefs of, of what does it look like and feel like to be on this end of the spectrum where life is happening to me. Um, you know, we adopt this a point of view from a, a lifelong experience. And I would say that culturally, this is the mindset that we are taught. And it shows up in our language. And one of my favorite examples of how this shows up in our language is how often do you hear 
yourself or others say, so-and-so made me so whatever, whatever that emotion is. So what we're saying is the actions or behaviors or the situation outside of me has made me feel a particular way. And um, to me, that's just at the core of this whole idea that life is happening to me. In addition to these cultural messages, then we also create our own set of limiting beliefs that we live with. Um, so anytime that we are in a situation from our, the day we we're born until now, anytime we were in a situation where we felt like we didn't have the resources or support to keep ourselves or someone else safe, then um, that's a traumatic experience. And in those traumatic experiences, the first thing that we do is we make a conclusion about ourselves. We decide that we must not be enough. We must not be um, smart enough, uh, quick enough. We must not be pretty enough, skinny enough, fat enough, whatever it is. We decide we're not enough of something because this whole experience of not being able to keep ourselves or someone else safe has led us to this conclusion that we're not enough. And then based on this decision or this conclusion that we're not enough, we we create behavior patterns. And the, the purpose for these behavior patterns then is to protect us from this painful experience again in the future. So if I have a situation uh, when I'm very young that I don't feel like I have the resources or support to manage very effectively in order to keep myself or other people safe, I'm going to come to a conclusion about myself. And let's just say that maybe I conclude that um, that I'm alone that I will always be alone, that whenever I have troubles or challenges or whatever, I'm going to be alone. And so then I create behaviors uh, for myself so that I can avoid this feeling of being alone with my, my challenges and having to figure it out for myself. You know, on the other hand, we might lean into I'm alone. And so I'm just going to prove to everyone that I'm alone. That's the uniqueness of each one of us in, in determining what is it, did we conclude about ourselves and what are the behavior patterns then that we've put into place for ourselves. And so these conclusions, these beliefs that we come up with and these behavior patterns that we come up with in these moments of, of extreme stress and trauma is what we end up living with then unless and until we examine those. So with the cultural messages, and then with our own uh, limiting beliefs that we end up creating for ourselves, we find ourselves in the situation where we really believe that everything is happening to us, which means then that we have we we tend to feel very defensive most of the time, you know. And we're also supporting one another in these belief systems. Here, another uh, saying that we often you you often hear is misery loves company, right? We want to be able to, to commiserate with others. We want someone else to 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 hear the pain that I've experienced. I don't want to really do anything about it, but I just want to commiserate about it. And I think this is what happens on teams a lot is when when we feel like we don't have the resources or the tools or the support to to meet whatever expectations we've set, then we we fall back into this I'm not enough and to cover up that pain, then let's commiserate with others. So it also means that we personally are always in this defensive mode so that we are, we see things through a lens of defensiveness. And common patterns of behaviors when we are in a defensive mode include, uh, we'll, we'll complain, we'll blame, we'll criticize, we'll judge, we'll gossip. 
all of these behaviors are our best efforts to release the energy of the moment that we're experiencing um, because the pain of that experience is also reminding us unconsciously of the pain uh, that we've experienced in the past. And so there, there's a lot of energy there. There's a lot of pain there. And these behaviors of complaining and blaming and gossiping are really our best efforts to kind of let go of some of that energy. It's just that those behaviors then don't actually move us into a better position. They just keep us where we are. All of these behavior patterns then lead to uh, chronic um, anxiety, depression, chronic illness, um, it leads, it, it impacts the energy that we have on for relationships, which means then it impacts the quality of our relationships. These behavior patterns also directly impact our productivity, both quantity and quality, because so much of our energy, when so much of our energy is tied up in defending ourselves against potential harm, we, we lack the energy to really be creative. So that's another reason then to move over to this internal locus of control is because that's where we can really be in a creative state. So that's a good segue then into this internal locus of control. And again, the the way we're going to refer to this from now on is that's the mindset of, I believe that life is happening for me. So when we are in that state of life is happening for me, this is where we, we trust the process, where we know that we have all of the resources and support that we need around us. Even if we're not aware of them in the moment, we trust and believe that they're there. And um, when we are in that state, rather than um, being caught up in the anxiety and depression and, and those painful emotions. Now we're in the state of creativity. We're in the state of flow where, um, we're producing things that, that even surprise us. Uh, the other thing that I think people assume about this internal locus of control is that it's about being passive because in the external, it's really all about actually it's controlling. It's over controlling everything because we feel like, um, because life is happening to us, we have to take the bull by the horns, another one of our, our languages, right? And control the situation. And what we mean by control is really make it look like what we want it to look like. And when we're in the life is happening for me, we give up our need for control because we know and trust that what is coming to us and is there for us. And so we begin to look for for ways that this, whatever has come into my awareness or has come into my experience, what is this here for me for? So in order to be able to stay in this state of mind where we see that life is happening for us, we, there's a few things that we need to master. One is we need to master self-awareness. Living as though life is happening to us is our default mode. We It takes no effort at all. That's our natural mode. But in to be in that state of mind where we believe that life is happening for us, we have to master self-awareness so that we're aware of the stories that we're telling ourselves. And then the second thing we need to master is um, being able to let go of those things. So you've probably heard like the life is about unlearning things. And that's what this whole messy middle is about is unlearning what we were taught and what we learned about ourselves when we were living in that state of life is happening to us. 
And the third thing that is necessary to master in order to move into this internal locus of control where life is happening for me is that we need to master self-compassion. Because as we let go of those parts of us that are no longer serving us, then there's there would be a tendency to judge ourselves or to really be maybe even appalled at how we're already judging ourselves. And so when we get into that space, we need to bring in lots of self-compassion um, and grace. And it's only when we're able to give ourselves compassion and grace then that we're able to extend that to others. You know, when you're living in that state of mind where life is happening to us, there isn't any room for compassion or grace. It just, it, it just is. Um, it's, it's black and white thinking. It's either working or it's not working. Um, there's no gray area. And the, this other end of the spectrum where life is happening for us, there's all kinds of gray area. And that's where we really find that creativity. That's where we find our resources. And that's really what we can trust and, trust in. We can lean into that. So these are the two ends of the spectrum that that we have. And again, that messy middle is that piece where we relearn, unlearn, let's call it unlearn things that are no longer serving us. And then we set up new beliefs for ourselves, new patterns of behaviors for ourselves, so that our default has now been upgraded to seeing the world as happening for us. So once again, if you're in this messy middle or if you're at that state where you really want to move into this state of mind where life is happening for you, you you probably have a sense that you have to let go of some things and, and that just even unconsciously that brings up a lot of discomfort. Because remember, our unconscious mind's job is to keep us safe and comfortable. Well, it's, it's to keep us alive. Um, but fortunately, most of us don't have immediate threats on our, our livelihood or our lives. Um, it's more about the psychological safety and being safe and comfortable in that regard. So once again, this hero's journey then is going to be a, a map of sorts uh, to understand what it is that you would be getting yourself into, how you move through that, and then we've already talked about where you get to on the other side. So let's begin now by talking about the hero's journey. The first stage of the hero's journey is that ordinary world. This is where you, our hero, resides now. And it's a, a baseline of all of your current beliefs about yourselves, all of your values, all of your expectations um, that you've created. And these beliefs, values, and expectations are the filters that you use in which to interpret and make meaning of your experiences. So once again, this uh, ordinary world spot is where you are now. So you might be thinking about where are you now? Um, what are your most common experiences? What are your preferences? What are some of those things that you're, you're hearing yourself nudge? You feel an internal nudge to say, this isn't working anymore. But you, you, you may not quite know or be ready to let go of it. So just bring to mind, what is that inner nudge that you're feeling? So we're starting out in the um, the ordinary world. And the next step is then there's a call to adventure. And this is where the pain of staying in our ordinary world is greater than the pain of moving into this messy middle 
um, even the unknown. So again, some of the language that we have about this is the devil you know is the better than the devil that you don't. And that belief that is underlies that quote is just to stay where you are, stay safe, stay comfortable. And so sometimes the call to adventure is, is really subtle. It's very gentle. And I guess from my own experience, I have found that if you, when we ignore those calls to action, we can refuse them. That's stage three. Let's, let's talk about that first. So we get a call to action and we can refuse it. We can ignore it. We can pretend like it never even existed because that call to action, again, that, that is the, question of, is it more comfortable to stay where I am in the ordinary world? Or will it be more comfortable for me to move into this messy middle and um, let go of, of what's holding me back? So the call to action, as I said, can be subtle or it can be very dramatic. And um, I, my call to action, finally, the one that I listened to was very dramatic. And I, I have psoriasis and I've known that I've had psoriasis for most of my life. And a few years ago, I had a really major flare up and I would get these flare ups about, you know, every so, every few weeks or so. And, and over the course of 12 months, these flare ups would happen, uh, more often and, and they would last longer. And finally it got to the point where, the flare up was permanent, like it just was. And basically what was happening for me is that my face, my chest and my arms were burning from the inside out. So I had these intense experiences of, of heat and, and, and burning on my skin and my skin would blister just as a, as a sunburn would. Um, I was all swollen and, and very inflamed and, you know, kind of looked like I went in the ring with Mike Tyson for a round or two. So that was my call to action. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office. Um, now, again, I, I have psoriasis. And, and part of the reason why I hadn't gone to the doctor prior is I didn't want the medications that they tend to offer uh, psoriasis patients. But here, I, I really had no choice. I literally could not leave the house the way I was. And I didn't want to be in the house for the rest of my life. And so I found a doctor that I felt like could really hear my needs and see my situation from a unique perspective. Uh, not only does he have a doctorate in immunology, he also has a doctorate in metaphysics. And so he's seeing things from a different lens than the traditional Western medicine lens. And uh, so the call to action actually came out of his mouth. When he, you know, I'm sitting in front of him looking like I've been beaten up and, and burning. And he said to me, you're not broke. You're not broken that this is a result of chronic stress. He said, you get to the bottom of your chronic stress and this will go away. That was my call to action. Now, I could refuse it one more time, but um, I decided that refusing it would mean that I was going to have to go back to those medications. And that was really the only other option that I was aware of. And so I chose to say yes to the adventure and say yes to moving into the messy middle. Now, once again, let's talk about that refusal for a bit because we can refuse the call. We can make an adjustment. Like I could have just taken the medication and probably my symptoms would have gone away. But the question is, do we want just the symptoms to go away or do we really want to get to the root of the issue, um, make those shifts and changes so that we can move on with our lives? So what this refusal of the call might look like is maybe, um, for me, staying with a health condition without getting um, 
treatment. Most often, this is going to look like staying in relationships long, well beyond their expiration date, uh, or staying in a job where you know you are not being appreciated, where you're not being valued. Those kinds of really painful experiences give you the opportunity to say, is this a call to action? Am I being called to grow in this way? Is this the pain that I needed to really kickstart this messy middle, this hero's journey? So once you then say yes to this adventure, uh, to this hero's journey, you will find your mentors. Now, a mentor is a seasoned traveler. This is one who has been there, who has been through this messy middle, and they spend more of their time on the life is happening for me end of the spectrum. doesn't mean that they don't come back to and occasionally feel like life is happening to us. We're human. That can happen. But for the most part, these are people who consistently believe that life is happening for them. And which means then they've been through this messy middle and they um, understand and appreciate how challenging this messy middle can be as much as they understand and appreciate how rewarding it is to move through that. And they also know that really what we need most as we're going through this hero's journey is that we need someone who can hold space for us someone who can listen to us without judgment as we unlearn and let go of all of the beliefs and behaviors that are no longer serving us. And this mentor is also someone who then can ask those questions that help you as the um, hero in this case, see your situation differently so that you can break free of the mindset that life is happening to me. So this mentor will appear. So again, if you're in this messy middle or you're about to answer the call and you want to say yes, know that there will be someone there for you when you are ready to embark on this journey. If that is a time to find a coach, that is a time to find someone who has been trained in listening so that as they're listening, they're listening for you. They're not just listening to you. And what that means is they're listening for you. They're listening from your perspective to help you find and identify those gaps. You know, most of the time when we're listening to others, we're really listening for ourselves. You know, you're telling a story. I'm, I'm going through my Rolodex. What kind of stories do I have that are like that? So that when you stop and take a breath, I have my story that I can throw in. The mentor is going to listen for you. So those are some of the characteristics I would encourage you to look for in a mentor as you move through this messy middle. Then when you have that that mentor, whether it's a person, well, let me just say, maybe it's not a person, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a meditation that, that you're using, maybe it's a prayer or, or a minister of some sort, gets back to people, but it doesn't have to be people. It's whatever that you need. And again, because life is happening for you, I can tell you that whatever you need is going to be there. So just look around you and see who are those resources? Who are those, either those people or those resources that can help you move forward? Because the next step here is crossing the threshold. So up until now, we haven't really stepped into this messy middle yet. We've just been preparing for it. And now we're crossing that threshold. 
These are the experiences of the unknown. This is where we go into that dark cave of the soul. And really, what are those limiting beliefs that we're living with? What are those behavior patterns that we're living with? We've been taught these. We cherish these. Again, our unconscious mind sees these as the way that we keep ourselves safe and comfortable. And so there's going to be some resistance to letting those go. But this is that that time where we move into that space. And once again, moving into the spaces is really leaning then on that mentor as an anchor, knowing that someone else has been through this before you. And that tells you that if they've been through it, you can also move through this. Step six is that road of trials. And this, you know, we've stepped into the cave and now we're really face to face with those limiting beliefs. We're face to face with those behavior patterns that we've been taught, that we're cherishing, we're holding on to. And this is where we began to let them go. This is really the point of no return. Because once you step into this space and you start to acknowledge and accept the limiting beliefs that, you, that you've been living with, the, the behavior patterns that you've been living with, because you have to accept them really before you can let them go. This is really where once you have that experience and you start to let things go, you really realize that this is the work that is most worthwhile for you because you, you begin to see and experience the relief when you can let go of some of those limiting beliefs and, and behavior patterns. You start to feel that sense of, of, of spaciousness, even when you're still in the middle of the muck. There's still that little bit of spaciousness that you're aware of. Now, in the book, Real Power, Janet Hagberg has a beautiful quote, and I'd like to read this for you. She calls this stage going through the wall. So she says, going through the wall is a process. It consists of letting go of your ego, of giving up control, and moving beyond your intellect, becoming intimate with a higher power, embracing your whole self with all of your shadows, and facing your core with its darkness and its light. She says, the wall is a place of transformation. Once having experienced the wall, you will never be the same again. It is exhilarating and it is painful and is never easy. But in it are the glimpses of wisdom and light. And it is healing at this deep level, at a soul level. This is going in again to that dark cave um, and embracing everything that you find in there about you so that you can let that go and you no longer need to defend yourself against anything external or even anything internal. It is probably the most difficult and most powerful thing that you can ever do. And I would say it's also the most rewarding because once again, you get to that state of mind where life is happening for us. This is where our relationships become incredibly rich. This is where our productivity seems to just take off without even having to work at it. It's just happening. So that's what we're getting to. But again, this, this is also um, that stage of the hero's journey where we have a death. And this is the, the space where the, the metaphor of the butterfly comes in. You know, the, the caterpillar is one state, right? It's, it's the external state of mind. It's the, that state of mind where the world is happening to me. Think about it, that as a caterpillar. And before we can get to the butterfly, we've got to go into this um, crystallis or, or the, the cocoon. And when that 
caterpillar is in that cocoon. The caterpillar is literally dying. It's turning into goo. It is completely deconstructing itself so that it can put itself together and put itself back together in, in a most amazing and beautiful way. And the last bit about this metaphor that I think is incredibly relevant is that you've probably heard that if you find a butterfly, you know, starting to wiggle around and try to break out of its cocoon, that if you help it by breaking it, then you're actually killing the butterfly because it is in that struggle that the butterfly gets blood where it needs to go and the wings get the strength and, and, and what they need to, to operate effectively. And so this, what I think this means for us is that A, we've got to be willing to die to our old self in order to really build ourselves up to who we really are. And in that process, this is something that you can only do for yourself. You can have mentors along the way that will, that will be an anchor for you, that will pull you forward, but you have to do the work. You have to do the dying. You have to do the, the breaking out of the cocoon so that you can really spread your wings and that your wings will be strong for you and carry you into this new space of seeing the world as happening for you. Which then brings us back to the seventh stage of this hero's journey, and that is returning home. Now, I think that this, this stage is actually one of those stages where when we're starting, we use that as a reason not to start the whole process. Because if I go through this whole process and I'm dying and I'm breaking out of my own cocoon and I'm, and I'm stretching out and now I'm beautiful, all the people that I'm with now will not be there for me anymore. And there's that real fear of being left alone. And the, the hero will always come back home. Maybe they'll be welcomed and received. Maybe they won't. But even if when they're not, there are still other resources, people, support around you in order to fill that need. Once you return home, whether you are well received or not, you, you may feel a sense of enthusiasm.